0: Good morning, good morning, how are we doing? Beautiful morning indeed. Cloudy skies, rainy. We do need our rain. But we shouldn't let the weather damper our mood dampen our mood if in fact we don't like rain. There's lots to talk about this morning. Lots to talk about this morning, as always. I saw a uh, report. I don't know how much any of you are familiar with who uh, the Lincoln Project is. Lincoln Project. I'm going to read the article. We'll discuss it. Saar. Gidon Saar hires anti-Trump Republican strategists. That's the title. That's the headline. coming out of the Uh, J-Post. Next line is, Hold uh, hold eyes, I want blue and white, not Gantz. Okay. Not sure what that has to do with it, but... Prime Prime ministerial candidate Gidon Saar hired a team of American advisors who worked for Republicans who opposed outgoing U.S. President Donald Trump, a spokeswoman for Saar said on Sunday, confirming on Channel 12 report, SAR hired Steve Schmidt, Stuart Stevens, Rick Wilson, and Reed Gallon, who are affiliated with the Lincoln Project, an American political action committee formed in late 2019 by a number of Republicans and former Republicans who aimed to prevent Trump's re election and defeat all Republicans in close races running for re election in the Senate? Sources in SARS campaigns of the team would be coming to Israel as soon as the coronavirus permits, but until then they would work, vi- work via video conferencing. <laughs> you can't get them in. That's pathetic. Everyone can get in if you want to come If you want to come in, you can come in. Okay. Sar caused a storm on Sunday when he told Khan Radio interviewer that he cannot endorse gay marriage because the issue is heavy, and he did not want to make a promise he could not keep. He did not know he could keep. After he was criticized by Yeshati chairman Yair Lapid, Israel's Israelis party leader on Holdai and Tanufa party had Ofer Shela Sar's New Hope Party released a statement saying that Saar had helped advance the rights of the LGBT community in every post he has held in politics. I'm just reading the article here. For instance, as Interior Minister, he helped couples make aliyah and required schools to educate pupils about the dangers of homophobia. Not sure why this has to do with anything as far as the previous part of the article, but I guess it's just, just discussing his party. There are those who scatter promises that they have no chance of keeping and they are those who make changes to help the, this community, the party said. Khan TV report on Sunday night that New Hope, which is Saar's party, will require its campaign its campaign team, get this, to take a lie detector test for fear of leaks and moles. Interesting, eh? We take polygraph tests of all workers we bring into the campaign. A New Hope spokeswoman said, This is a standard work of those responsible for information security. Huldai said... Okay, then it's getting into some other politics. Okay. They want to merge the Huldai and Gantz. Gantz and Huldai want to merge. The Israelis party with the blue and white. Yeah, okay. In any case, so... He's bringing in the first part of the article is most important. he's bringing in uh, Rick Wilson. I love it like first of all, first of all um, the Steve Schmidt I believe is under some sort of uh, investigation. I believe it's Steve Schmidt who's under some sort of, of investigation right now for uh, for inappropriate relationships. Um, maybe that was the, the segue into the next part of the article. I'm not sure. But maybe, but maybe I think it's Steve Schmidt who's under under investigation of some sort. But beyond that, how how successful was the Lincoln Project? They 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 basically they pumped in hundreds of millions of dollars, if I'm not mistaken, it was hundreds of millions of dollars. And what did they have to show for it? What did they have to show for it? How many races did they affect? Did they did they did they, did they success, successfully? Um, sway. I don't think very many. If I, I mean, I'm sorry, I, I don't think they. I don't think they swayed any elections. Every single incumbent, uh, House member, on the Republican side, won. Every single incumbent on the House. So you notice how the, the little sleight of hand, little sleight of hand, it says here maybe they only spent seventy eight million dollars. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Maybe that wasn't including including Georgia. They put lots of money into Georgia too, as far as I read. But it says here that they defeat all Republicans in close races running for reelection in the Senate. No, this didn't put anything for for the House. It, it, interesting sleight of hand that J Post has here. If you read it, it says an American Political Action Committee formed in late 2019. Late 2019 was prior to the, tw- the the midterms. If I'm not mistaken, it was prior to the midterms. But okay, we'll leave that alone. In 2019, by a number of Republicans and and former and former Republicans, who aimed to prevent Trump's re-election and defeat all Republicans in close races for re-election in the Senate. Oh, they didn't put any money into the House; it was only uh, the Senate. and And how successful were they? They weren't successful at all. The Lincoln Project, the Lincoln Project, wasn't successful at all. So it's a funny thing that he would that he would hire the Lincoln Project, whose successes are. Abysmal, to help him. Personally, I think that's a, uh, I think it's odd. Why would you do that? It doesn't make much sense. But you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of a, uh, another J Post article coming from February. Two thousand and fifteen. February two thousand eighteen. Okay. Wikipedia says it was founded in late two thousand nineteen. I'm not sure. But regardless, it could be a different name before that. It could be it was just the same, you know, certain people's different name. They, didn't, they hadn't formed the actual organization yet. These were very vocal. Rick Wilson's a former strategist. These are all very, very, fo- very, very vocal never-Trumpers. George Conway, the famous wife of, the famous husband of uh, Kellyanne. These are very, uh, very vocal Republicans. In uh, Republicans, you know, establishment Republicans. Establishment Republicans. In any case, 78 million. So this reminds me of another article coming out of the J-Post. This is from February 2015. When the French called for – now, obviously, there are differences between this and that. You know, there are differences. But uh, it's never a bad time to remind ourselves who Barack Hussein Obama was, especially because, as it appears, he will be – Retaking the throne of the president when the French called for an anti-terror parade of world leaders following the Paris terror attacks, of the first of one, one of the first to accept was Israel's prime minister. According to the rumor mill, Holland tried Holland. I think it was the president of, of France. Holland tried to dissuade. Benjamin Netanyahu from participating in the rally, but Bibi stuck to his guns. You can also sense, if you know, if you want, you can also sense that the, the the different attitude that Jerusalem Post had five years ago, six years ago already, to Bibi then, than it does today. Bibi stuck to his guns, determined to show the world that Israel, under constant threat from terrorism, is defiantly linked. In fact, leads the war against terror. For Israel. It was the right thing to do. Holland, not accustomed to snubs, responded, there was a price to pay for Israel's prime minister defying the French president. Holland invited, Holland invited to his, to this anti-terror event Mahmoud Abbas, the leader of the Palestinian less than state regime with decades of bloody terror atrocities on its hands. And united in a unity government with Hamas, an officially designated terrorist organization, for Israel, that was the morally that was that was the morally wrong thing to do. Holland did join Netanyahu in attending the synagogue ceremony in memory of the murdered French Jews, but he beat a hasty retreat before Bibi told the Jewish audience to get the heck out of there, in face of the rising European anti-Semitism. It was morally the right thing for Israel's leader to do. Okay. Switch to Washington. Benjamin Netanyahu received the invitation to address Congress from House Speaker John Boehner. Not sure if everyone recalls this story, but John Boehner, who at that time uh, had majority, uh, he, he was the Speaker of the House. The Republicans held majority of the House, and he was a Speaker, and he invited, and he invited, um, BB. He invited BB to to America to the to, to the House of Representatives, Congress, to speak. It was BB's, I believe, third invitation, uh, which would have put him at the record. I think, that, 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 I think, if I recall. In any case, Obama had warned Congress in his State of the Union address that he would veto any move. They would, they may make to strengthen sanctions against Iran in pursuit of a nuclear weapon. Iran had released a video purporting to show an undisclosed Iranian intercontinental ballistic missile site. Israel released a visit video. And Netanyahu was concerned that the Obama administration was on its way to signing an agreement with Iran while Israel was embroiled in elections. So he accepted Boehner's invitation again. It's giving a little background because that was a very politically hot topic that 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 the president would 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 did not want Bibi to come, but Boehner had invited him, and Bibi shouldn't take it, should take it, shouldn't take it, should take it. You know, it was a lot of a lot of back a lot of back and forth. In any case, in any case, says the article, because it gets this is where it gets really juicy once again it was the right thing for israeli for the israeli leader to do see so, but a furious obama white house threatened there would be a price to pay for bb's visit to washington now let's backtrack here one moment here it said here that that obama obama had warned congress right Ob- obama was was in the middle of of signing a, a treaty with iran Right, he was in a he was in a he was working. You you can see what's going on here. Meaning now, you know, with hindsight, we can see exactly what was going on. Obviously, we knew that Obama was trying to appease Iran, and that's and 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 the new administration has claimed that the first day they're going to to reignite those that treaty, whatever it was. Now we discover what that price is. This is again February 2015. What was that price that Bibi would pay? The Obama presidential election team has set up camp in Tel Aviv with the mission to defeat Netanyahu in our upcoming election. The Anyone But Bibi mission is headed by Jeremy Byrd, Obama's national field director, in his successful presidential campaigns under Byrd, a group called Victory 15, Victory 15 has been set up. It has recruited the young activists from Israel's 2013 protest movement and will man a massive social network, a massive social network, and personal contact campaign to defeat Bibi. V15 is financed by an NGO called One Voice Whose motto is to be the voice of mainstream Israelis and Palestinians? Research finds that One Voice is funded by John Kerry's State Department. So this is this is like election interference. This is this is this is this is legitimate election interference. You know you can't get more you can't you can't you can't interfere more than this from a state government from a government. Can we? In its press release, V15 calls itself nonpartisan. Which is clearly a lie. Its aim solely is to defeat Bibi. This is the Jerusalem Post. Could you imagine Jerusalem Post writing this today? Could you imagine? Can we, what changed? Can we really call that nonpartisan? In the 2014 annual report, it's, annual report, it describes its actions as promoting popular resistance, state building, and the Arab peace initiative while advocating for an end to the conflict of a two-state solution along the 1967 borders. Does Israel really need this outsider that advocates popular resistance to impose the Arab Peace Initiative onto Israel? There is grave danger in the intent of this American interference into our political system. It is no coincidence that the headquarters of the V15 campaign is right next door to Tel Aviv offices of One Voice. One Voice was formed in 2003. Its inaugural board of advisors include Gary Gladstein, who used to be the chief operations officer of Soros Fund Management. I think We have a little sound for that one. No, no, there you go. Should we play that when we mention that name? There, we do Soros. Ah, there you go. Soros Fund Management, as in George Soros, the major consulting firm working on the Israeli elections is 270 Strategies, which is also headed by Byrd. This company operates in elections on the principle of grassroots community organization, dividing the countries into local zones and working them incessantly and efficiently. It was It's amazing, you know. <laughs> it was a tactic that drove Obama into the White House in 2008 and kept him there in 2012, according to World Net Daily. 270 Strategies has a team of 45 in Israel. 16 of them are former Obama staffers who have been parachuted into Tel Aviv To to lead the local workers with their experience, one of the top men is Mitch Stewart, a two hundred and seventy Strategies founding partner who helped the Obama campaign build what the UK Guardian newspaper called a historic ground operation that will provide the model for political for political campaigns in America and around the world for years to come. It's amazing. It's amazing. This is this is this is treachery. No, isn't this a form of treachery? Isn't this a form of treachery? Treason, treason. Excuse me, Obama's meaning in, in the sen- in the sense that it's it's, it's no one de- no one really reports this. Obama's excuse for not meeting with with Netanyahu in Washington was that he couldn't be seen interfering in the Israeli election process. <laughs> But the White House and the State Department is now exposed as seriously interfering in Israeli politics with the Obama team, financed by the Obama administration, working to unseat Benjamin Netanyahu and his party in Israel's upcoming election. In Congress, Netanyahu will receive more standing ovations than Obama received when he addressed Congress. In Israel, the big question is, will he receive more votes in our election than any other party, or will he pay the political price for defying Obama? Whatever the result, this is a major attack by America on our electoral system and a further deterioration in America's attachment to Israel. If Obama's efforts help defeat Netanyahu, another question to be asked is, can Israel survive the damage of an Obama presidency? So you see, that was an article that you wouldn't hear today. You wouldn't hear that article today. You wouldn't hear that attitude, the sentiment. But nonetheless, Saar is trying to capitalize on these, on these poor excuse of strat, for strategists that they, for strategists that they are. And he's bringing them into Israel. Now, obviously, it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing because they're not official, officially working for the State Department. We have to know that it's not that different, and that's the point it's not that different beyond beyond the the actual titles of their positions. many of these people do have clearance if i'm not mistaken they're government swamp creatures and so whether or not you actually are are on behalf of the on behalf of the um If you're working on behalf of the State Department or you're not working on behalf of the State Department, when you're the Lincoln Project, there's very little difference. There's very little difference. The State, the the Lincoln Project were, are never Trump Republicans, like the Never BB campaign. And, and, you know, they, uh, their, their intent is the same thing. Their intent is the same thing. You can really see their true colors too, because whatever their argument against against Trump, what's their argument against Bibi? Unless it's to punish Bibi for working with Trump, it's. it's this is a, uh, so it's, it's a very troubling thing, and it's and it's most troubling is that what's most troubling is that it's not even receiving the it's not even receiving any any sort of any sort of coverage that it really should this should be this should be a very a very da- this is a da- this is a, a dangerous thing it's a dangerous thing in any case moving on moving on moving on i saw this article here we have a couple here A couple here where is this one we'll do this one first i yeah, will do this one first eu hints Israeli settlement activity harms Abraham Accords. Now, I had not actually read this one yet. I've read part of it, obviously, but I haven't read the whole thing. And what I I found so bizarre, I mean, absurd, what, what did the EU do to help the Abraham Accords? Why do they have any position, say, authority on the Abraham Accords? So, the European, the European Union hinted that Israeli settlement activity, which this week, the uh, Bibi has apparently uh, cleared 792 homes, yeah? So here, the Israeli settlement activity could harm the Abraham Accords as Bibi spoke of a possible declaration of, to legalize 46 outposts within days and the IDF plans for 792 settler homes. At this critical juncture for peace in the Middle East, these moves are counterproductive in light of positive developments of normalization agreements between Israel and a number of Arab states, said the spokesperson for EU Foreign Affairs and Current Security Policy. Under the rubric of the Trump administration's Abraham Accords, which he never got any uh, Nobel Prize for, of course, Israel normalized ties—normalized, normalized—you know—with the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Morocco, and Sudan in exchange for the suspension of plans to annex the settlements. Well, you can you can really get into the kishkes of whether or not that was that was essential. That was like part of it. It was built on that or whether or not that was just, you know, a slight concession. In any case, no mention was made of settlement activity, which has been a source of conflict with the EU and likely to be the problem, to be problem between Israel and US president elect Joe Biden, who takes office on Wednesday. The EU has repeatedly called on Israel to end all settlement activity, dismantle outposts erected since March 2001. Why, why do we care? Why did the, e, how does the EU have any, have any involvement in this? What did they do to, to, create the Abraham Accords to create normalization peace what did they do it's unbelievable he reiterated that settlement activity was contrary to international law and further undermines the prospects of a viable two-state solution he also called on Israel to suspend an East Jerusalem project for new ho- Jewish homes in Givat Hamatos and the the the, the, the spokesman for PA Pal, uh, Mahmoud Abbas says it's a slight. This move is a sl- is a slight to Biden. It is a preemptive attempt to undermine any effort by the Biden administration's by the Biden's, by by the Biden's administration to relaunch a stalled peace process. <laughs> His words were reported in the Palestinian news agency Wafa. Ru- Rudaine called for immediate international action left-wing NGO Peace Now said that by, that by promoting hundreds of settlement units P- Bibi, Net, uh, Bibi is once again putting his personal political interests over that of the, those of the country not only will those settlement activity erode the possibility for, for for a conflict-ending resolution with the Palestinians in the long term but in the short term it needlessly sets Israel on a collision course with the incoming Biden administration I wonder if that's the plan. The advancement of two of the plans moved two outposts forward in the path toward legalization. So, the advancement of plans of these two outposts is independent of the overall outpost battle that the Yesha Council is waging. It has called for the government to declare its intent to legalize the outposts. So, this is uh, this obviously is an article where... We asked the first question is why do we care what EU what the EU says? How many chances of peace I mean, what, what exactly are we are we going back to? you know we're going back now we're going back we're, we're going back. what exactly are we going back to? The reason why these countries normalized ties with Israel is because they saw that there is no long-term plan of peace. Based on the current status quo. So why would they not? What do they have to gain by not? What do they have to gain by not, by not establishing peace with Israel? They've only what to gain. So the fact that the, the fact that the EU is disappointed or is worried concerned or they or or worse they're attacking Israel who cares why do we care it's a it's the fact look there's obviously there's a lot of politics at play we're not we're not we're not ignoring that you know in the previous conversation I didn't mention you know the word the the, the, the word Russia but you know obviously that was obviously the, the the for all those who didn't get it the the point of the of the issue with a state department interfering with an election is that the c- claim that Russia the claim that Russia had interfered had colluded with 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 the Donald Trump administration to win the election that's nowhere near as as dubious as dangerous as what Obama himself did right that was obviously a, as I was as I, was, I had moved on, I, I had realized that that may not have been clear. That this is all—it's 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 all, it's all, it's all, it's all projection—is the point. You know, we have to know what, what project, projection is. Yeah, you know, uh, Salolinsky. You know, Salolinsky talks about projection. Projection. This is what the, the 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 left the left does projection. Every single thing that they claim that the right is guilty of, that is exactly what they do. In a Chazal we call it and and colloquially we call it. It takes one to know one. I know what you. I know you are, but what am I? That's what we say. I know you are, but what am I? That's exactly that's that's exactly what the left does. The left constantly, constantly is 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 projecting every single thing voter fraud. When they say that there's voter fraud, who's 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 the one who's 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 uh, perpetrating voter fraud? When they say that one side is racist, which side is racist? Which side wants segregation today? Which side is the one who who keeps, um, uh, you know, a certain certain, um, you know, keeps Asians out of Ivy League schools? Which one is the which side is really is, is racist? It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. <clears throat> An amazing thing. So we have here another article from, from Zev Stubb. This one is uh it should affect most people on a personal level too, but for all those who have been following the, the shekel dollar, the shekel dollar, um, the shekel dollar has been fluctuating greatly. In the last week, it's I think it went down to as low as three hundred eight, three eleven, three oh eight, and it's now at three twenty seven. So what's happening? For high tech, a strong shekel is even worse than COVID. This is written by Zev Stubb. For much of Israel's, as, as I just mentioned, as someone who grew up in Canada, the, uh, a valuable dollar, Canadian dollar, dollar, you know, there's a dollar and a dollar. The, a valuable Canadian dollar against the American dollar is, was, was, was bad for Canadian business. It was good for Canadian citizens who wanted to travel and tour America, but it was bad for Canadian business because Canada relied heavily on American um, businesses operating in Canada. And so a strong Canadian dollar was, wasn't, wasn't good for the Canadian economy. So that's that's similar to what we're seeing here. You've seen many times where the Israeli, the Bank of Israel, has manipulated the shekel, in order to to um, keep it from from rising too much against against the dollar, because they know that it's bad for the economy. It's bad for the Canadian economy. It's uh, bad for the Israeli economy to have the to have the shekel high. Um, it's bad for the Israeli economy. So this article written by Zev Stubb is, um, says as follows. For much of Israel's high tech ecosystem, the damage caused by the extremely, extremely strong shekel is even greater than the damage caused, is even greater than the damage caused by the coronavirus pandemic, said Gal Gitter, managing director of IBEC at Ibex investors. The government needs to recognize that weakening the shekel is an important strategic imperative that impacts the entire Israeli economy. The government uh the Israel's currency trades at three point two three to the dollar, a level that was previously unseen since nineteen ninety seven. Wow. Earlier last week, it had reached as strong as 3.11. That's okay, fine. But the Bank of Israel's announcement on Thursday that it would buy $30 billion in 2021 caused it to weaken by by 3.7% in one day. The shekel has strengthened by some 10% over the past 12 months and nearly 20% between the weakest points reached during March and last break. I did see a report that Israel... Is the third strongest economy emerging out of out of the uh, last year. The two countries above Israel are Ireland and Sweden, I guess. Yeah. I think it was Sweden. Sweden and Ireland are the two countries above Israel. So <clears throat> so this is a serious issue. A report published Sunday by Bank of Poland said the decision to buy dollars exceeded the market's expectations and would likely lead to a further devaluation of the shekel in the coming weeks. Gitter agreed that the decision to buy more dollars was a good one, but said, it doesn't sound to me like it is going to be aggressive enough. The situation today is that hiring an Israeli programmer is now about 10% more expensive than it was a year ago. That hurts startups, encourages established companies to hire abroad, Instead of locally, and damages all of the sectors that support the high tech ecosystem. Have to realize Israel is going to protect the high tech ecosystem above all. If we are talking about early stage startups, most of their money comes from funding, which is near, nearly always in dollars. Even if the money isn't raised in the U.S., a company that suddenly finds that it needs 10% more capital to cover its expenses is very expensive. Is very vulnerable, and unable to recruit the talent it needs to grow. Meanwhile, executives are going to be forced to look for talented developers abroad, where it's cheaper. What does that tell us about Israel? Where is abroad? Abroad is generally probably in, in countries you know, like uh, I don't know India, that I assume. And if, for example, a company can only hire 30 people in Israel instead of 50 because it had to hire overseas, that affects the entire ecosystem downstream as well, right? Exactly, to think that, to think, you know, everything they're saying here, everything they're saying, everything that says stuff is saying here applies to the economy in general. It is that nobody cares about the general economy like they care about the high-tech economy because the high-tech economy is is fueling Israel. We look at the total impact on the tech sector, and tech's influence on the entire Israeli economy, you understand that a strong shekel isn't a minor issue. Gitter said, Coronavirus hit different industries differently. Many tech companies lost money from March through June, but then they saw business come back and even improve in many cases. But the impact of a strong shekel is an impact. Important strategic issue that can affect the economy for years to come. What can be done? The set of tools the central bank has to, affect, has to affect monetary policy is unknown. They can buy more dollars or reduce interest rates to negative rates. What we're talking about is the government making this a top priority and approaching it more aggressively. Moshe Lipsker, SVP of Global Product Developments, Israel site manager at Imperva, agreed. This is a big issue that everyone in high-tech is talking about. Imperva, a cybersecurity company that was acquired in 2019 by a U.S. private equity firm, has 1,400 employees worldwide, 500 in Israel. When I was building our 2021 recruiting budget in September, the shekel was about 3.5 to the dollar. When it reached 3.1, 3.11 last week, we found that we had to invest more dollars in order to keep the same budget. I'm concerned the decision-makers are not aware of the implications of this situation going forward, Lipsker said. If you don't mitigate this soon, as soon as possible, it will be a disaster. So, this is something that, you know, Israel definitely has to address. Israel definitely has to address. <clears throat> So you know we're going to be monitoring it. Everybody who, who has dollars is obviously monitoring the dollar on a regular basis. On a, on a personal level, it obviously affects us. But we have to understand that for the state of the economy, it's it's um, it's imperative that Israel have a low, of a devalue a shekel. It's a very bad thing for Israel to have a uh, a shekel. That's high. <clears throat> so there's an article coming out of Vasisnayas. It seemed I don't know. If, I'm not sure if this is their own reporting. I did see it other places as well, but I'm I'm reading it out of out of. But I don't see that they've cited any other major news source. And of course, we always like to to mention these types of things because. You know what? I want to do that one instead. No, I'm going to do this one. The New York State Department claimed Friday that it had new information suggesting that the COVID-19 pandemic could have emerged from a Chinese laboratory and not through contact with infected animals. The State Department released a fact sheet describing the activities at the Wuhan Institute of Virology in recent years stating that a laboratory accident could resemble a natural outbreak if the initial exposure included only a few individuals and was compounded by asymptomatic infection. Scientists in China have researched animal-derived coronaviruses under conditions that increase the risk for accidental and potentially unwitting exposure. The U.S said it had obtained new evidence that researchers at the WIV, Wuhan Institute of Virology, became sick in the fall of 2019 before the first identified cases of the outbreak in the common seasonal illnesses. The report states, this raises questions about the credibility of WIV senior researcher Xi Zhengli's public claim that there was zero infection among the WIV's staff and students of SARS-CoV-2 or SARS-related viruses. Moreover, the report says that accidental infections in labs have caused severe several previous virus outbreaks in China and elsewhere and elsewhere, and also decries the fact that the Chinese Communist Party has prevented independent journalists, investigators, and global health authorities from interviewing researchers at the WIV, including those who were in the fall of 2019. U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said in a statement that the, the information contradicted Chinese claims reports that none of these, that none of the staff at the Wuhan Institute had contracted COVID-19 or related viruses and urged the WHO team that landed Thursday in Wuhan to press the government on China, of China on the new information. Beijing continues to withhold vital information that scientists need to protect the world from this deadly virus. And the next one, Pompeo said, the State Department said that China's lack of transparency about the pandemic's origin more than a year ago, as well as efforts to mask early shortcomings in the country's response to the outbreak, make it difficult to draw clear conclusions regarding the origin of the pandemic. But the brief Unsigned statement issued by the U.S. less than a week before the end of the Trump administration provided no data to back up its claims. It's amazing how it's the Trump administration, it's the Trump administration that's under scrutiny, and not Chinese. Isn't that amazing? See, that's also one of the the themes: this idea that the, the, the media and their reporting shape how we think. The fact that in 2015 we we saw how Jay Post was writing. You wouldn't you don't see anything like that today when, when I read the J post about about sorry taking Lincoln project it's a, it was a three paragraph thing it's three paragraph there was no concern about it this wasn't tre- treasonous this wasn't you know another country infiltrating an election the fact is is that what China we know that China we know that China uh, did, close down travel from Wuhan to the rest of China keeping travel open from Wuhan to the rest of the world so it's not as though it's not as though this issue is uh, uh, uh a chi- we know that China acted acted you know with evil we know that so i don't know you know why should the why are the uh, media Covering for China. The comments come as China faces criticism for initially preventing some members of a WHO mission from entering China as part of an effort to trace the origin of COVID-19 saying they hadn't passed health screenings. While the experts who were eventually granted clearance, China had already been criticized by the WHO for delaying the missions planned to visit the country. I saw, you know, it was over a year ago, over a year ago, it was January 14th, that the, um, that the WHO said that there is no asymptomatic spread that there's no that there's no there's no human to human contact, the virus doesn't spread through human to human contact. That's what the WHO said. though the virus doesn't spread through human to human contact just over a year ago, January 14th amazing WHO how much money do, do, do we give them? While the experts were eventually granted clearance, China had already been criticized by WHO for delaying the mission's plans to visit the country. China has been under scrutiny since the outbreak exploded in and around Wuhan, but the Trump administration also sought to pin more blame on authorities in Beijing after the pandemic took off in the U.S. and death soared. Right. Pin, you know, President Donald Trump and Secretary of State frequently referred to the illness as the China virus, the China plague, and Wuhan virus. That's right. Isn't that, isn't, that, isn't that wrong? Isn't that wrong to refer to it? We call it the Spanish flu, but we can't call it the China virus because words matter. That's why words matter. How you title something is makes a difference, and they don't want that. They don't want us to title it by the China virus. Therefore, we accept everything that China did. China cleansed the entire area. They they you know bleached they 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 they, they the entire. Area the, the the wet market where the the wet market where the Wuhan lab is this virology lab is is uh, I think a couple hundred meters away from the wet market. The virology lab is a couple hundred meters away from the wet market, and they came in and they cleansed the entire thing, so nobody could those initial samples which they said were you know would be integral in fighting this virus. They were gone. They were they were destroyed yet we can't question we're not allowed to question we're not allowed to question china's involvement in this god forbid that's the real problem the real problem is we can't even we can't we can't question china's involvement in this we have to instead just trust the information that we're receiving we have to trust the media we have to trust the information that we're receiving Okay, look, that's been our show today. that's been our show today. We uh, we hope you have a great day and we look forward to being with you again tomorrow, please God. I'm Ellie Shapiro. Bye for now.